Welcome to Locked On Kentucky, your daily Kentucky podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network, a podcast network where you can find all sorts of stuff from all sorts of thoughtful people. Some of them have good hair, just like my co-host, uh, Kyle Tucker. He is one of those folks with good hair. Uh, Kyle, how are you? I'm good, man. I am uh, I'm happy to be here, happy to have good hair, and uh, ready to talk a little Kentucky football and basketball with you, buddy. As and opposed life, to not having hair, are, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Uh, you and Curtis would, both that, have that would really suck, buddy. Just to be bald, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, thanks for that. Yeah, I appreciate <laughs> that. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, I had to just uh, fend off my dog because he really likes to be in here whenever I'm recording and will not leave me alone. So I just did that. But uh, today on the podcast, uh, we got there's a there's a game coming up on Saturday. Kyle wrote, uh, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to do some over unders, do some predictions, um, and then uh, Kyle wrote a really awesome piece on Tyrese Maxey, the uh, freshman that is going to be playing for the UK basketball team, the men's team this fall. And, uh, and then we're going to, I, I think that pretty much covers it, right? The over-unders and, and the predictions and then Tyrese Maxey. And then, yeah. And then you're going to ask me one of your weird questions. That's the plan. We'll see how long it goes. We've been known to kind of, uh, go longer than we thought we were going to go, but we want to open up with, uh, last week I had a pretty good week in terms of over-unders this week, Kentucky plays Eastern Michigan, not Central Michigan, and uh, Eastern Michigan is coming off of a, a win over the uh, Ramblin' Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina, who have a really weird field. Have you ever seen their field? Yeah, it's like a, like a weird color, isn't it? Or it's it's like it it's it's not like a pleasant green. I would say it's it's sort of an unsettling like. I don't even. It, it's this weird tropical green. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's almost like a teal. Like I, I think because that's like their color. I guess maybe that's on purpose. It's tealy. Yeah, it's it's a little tealy. So uh, why don't you uh, roll out the over unders and we'll we'll get ready for Coastal Carolina. Carolina. Oh yeah, I pulled it up. It's like dolphin. Their 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 field is like dolphins. Miami Dolphins colors. Almost. Yeah. It's hard uh, to look at. It's it it's is like- it is really ugly. Um, all right, so I guess it's a turf field. Um, how does that figure into what you know? How many yards? Do, what do you think like the yardage <laughs> impact was for for? Uh, yeah, Eastern I mean, it's, I mean, you pro- it's probably disorienting. Um, it's kind of like the Eastern Washington. Washington, I think it's Eastern Washington. They have like a gray Eastern field. Washington. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever seen that field though? It makes the player. It makes it look like. Uh, the games on that field, it looks like the game is in black and white, and the, you've like gone back and uh, like added color to just the like the players. Oh, it's, the red it, field. Uh, it's like grit. There's a grit. I think it's Eastern Washington. Maybe it's Eastern Michigan. I don't know. It might, actually might be Eastern Michigan that has a gray field. Well, uh, Eastern Washington has a bright red field. Um, it is. It is also hard to look at. I don't know how you could look at that Eastern Michigan's field. Uh, we can we can just oh yeah it's really quickly it, yeah it's the actually technology. the team yeah it's, it's actually the team they're playing it's gray it's the blandest thing I've ever seen now was Eastern Michigan was that the team that Kentucky basketball played last fall that had the worst uniforms I've ever seen mm, I don't know but they did play this team in football two years ago so the second time in three years they're playing oh but yeah that, it's terrible yeah you're right it does make it, it look like an old timey it like washes out the color. 
when you see it on TV, it is really, really strange. Like I, it, it really, it literally looks like, uh, like a black and white broadcast where they came in and like Technicolor added color to just the player jerseys. It's, it's bizarre. Anyway, that, that really is. Man. Eastern Michigan plays on a gray, gray field. They're coming to Kentucky's normal field uh, on Saturday, and we're going to do some over unders. Um, so they narrowly escaped Coastal Carolina for whatever reason. Played at Coastal Carolina, one thirty to twenty three. And so we'll start with some sort of based on what happened in that game, and, and a little bit based on Kentucky. First one is Terry Wilson over under two hundred and fifty passing yards. I think that that's. Uh, I think that Terry's going to have a big game. You know, I lean pessimistic a lot, but I feel like Kentucky sort of discovered something a little bit here. Um, I think that they're going to try to, if they can, conserve their backs a little bit, and uh, they they realize that they maybe have, you know, last week like we talked about. I, I'd imagine they're going to have some size advantage. Um, uh, he's going to go to those bigger receivers again and rack up a bunch of yards, short throws for sort of medium gains. That's my prediction, and that's going to add up to over 250 yards. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree and say over. Uh, and, and some of that's Terry and, and the reasons you said, but from the Eastern Michigan perspective, Coastal Carolina's former two-star recruit at quarterback, Fred, great name, more people in the modern era should name their kids Fred, Fred Payton, had thrown for 677 yards in his career, uh, and he threw for 304 yards, 67% completion. He was hot. Coastal Carolina's quarterback did that against Eastern Michigan now, and a couple of touchdowns. It should be noted that he was picked off four times, um, so that's a that's a threat. But it, it seems like uh, there is uh, some room to pick on that, uh, that defense, so I'm going to say over. Um, the second one. Is another quarterback the other the opposing quarterback Mike Glass is Eastern Michigan's quarterback over under sixty percent completion rate. Uh, let's see, he was twenty of twenty two in the opener. Uh, yeah, the, the ninety point nine percent. That was not, he, he leads the nation in completion percentage after one week. Not too shabby. I need to get like a soundboard with some drops so we can just throw that in there. Um, man, over sixty. I'm going to just let's let's stick with it here. I'm just going to go I'm going to keep being positive. I'm going to say I'm going to say over 60. Yeah. Well, positive for Eastern Michigan, negative for Kentucky. Well, we just everybody, you know, generally positive. I just yeah. I have like a I have a tie-dye shirt on right now, a <laughs> snifter of something. I'm just like, "Hey man, you know, listening to Bob Marley. I just feel like things are going to go well for everybody." That's a slide guitar in the background. Uh yeah. Uh all right. I like it. <laughs> he so he's he leads the nation in completion completion percentage right now at ninety almost ninety one percent. He's sixth in the country in QB rating after week one, uh, and in his career, this guy has twelve touchdown passes and one interception. So pretty solid. Uh, it was mostly a backup last season. Sixty one point five percent last season for the year. Mm. Um, but I'm gonna say under in this game, and that I'm kind of surprised I'm saying that because. Uh, of what he did last week, and because I believe um, Kentucky's secondary is a little bit suspect. They're secondary. Uh, <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, no, just kidding. I but I, I think they feel like they have a little bit something to prove. Uh, this is the kind of team where they should outmatch them athletically. Um, maybe maybe jump on some uh, some passes. So I'll say under. Um, it could happen. 
Have yeah, you? I, mean, I think question. it'd be a yeah. Go ahead. Have you seen what uh, Eastern Michigan's like primary running back? What what his name is? He's got a great name. Uh, yeah, I did, but now I don't have it right in front. His of His name me. is Shaq Van. Oh yeah, that's Shaq. like the best name for a running yeah, back ever. Yeah. You would think he would yeah. just be what trucking if, people if his name was yeah. Shaq Van. Or it's yeah. like, what are the what are the two places you could live if football doesn't work out? <laughs> um a shack or a van that was, did exactly. you make that up just now i, I did yeah oh that was I, quick nice well it's not like in his bio in the media guy <laughs> we named our son after the two places he could live if he didn't uh didn't do well professionally yeah. um tough love them couple yeah. couple more uh these uh kentucky two and a half sacks over under I'm going to say, let's keep the streak alive. I'm going to say over. I think they're going to get to, well, you know what? Wait a minute. Maybe I shouldn't say that because uh, Chris, it's Chris Oates, right? That's out for the yep. first half of this game. Yeah. I'll go under. I'll go under. Well, that'll be my that'll be my one uh, pessimistic pick for this one. Um, and I don't think, I don't know. I just, I have a feeling it'll be under. I don't really have I'm a gonna, lot of rationale. <laughs> I'm going to say over and I do have some rationale. Uh, Eastern Michigan had allowed 39 sacks last season, an average of three a game. Uh, it ranked 118th in the country in sacks allowed. And Kentucky had even even replacing um, even replacing Josh Allen, they had four sacks in the opener. Three different guys had a solo sack, and uh, DeAndre Square and Boogie Watson split one. So I'm going to say over there. Um, Cavassier smoke over or under 50 rushing yards. Under. Under. Okay. And do you have a reason? Uh, I, I think he's going to come back to earth a little bit. I think he had a pretty good opening game. Uh, like you said, he had 11 carries for 123 yards, two touchdowns. Um, that's, in, that's in his career. That's in, uh, he's only carried the, he's yeah, only carried the ball. That, as games, I was reading so. that, I was like, that seems like a lot. Uh, yeah. No. Uh, I'll say I'll say under. I don't know. I yeah. just think he's, he's a young guy. Uh, I think he's... He'll regress just a little bit. He had he had a couple. Where he he had a couple pretty big plays in that first game, right? He did. Yeah, he, he he's kind of their home run threat. Um, I mean, AJ Rose can be as well. But you mentioned his numbers. Those are those are career numbers, but they're just in two games. He's only carried the ball in two games. The last regular season game last year against Louisville. The first game of this year last week um, against Toledo. Eleven carries, hundred and twenty three yards, two touchdowns. Eastern Michigan gave up over 200 rushing yards a game last season, um, ranked in the hundreds in that. I, I like him to go over 50 because um, I, I think I think he's really going to push Rose as the season goes along. I, you know, I, I, I was getting really interested in Chris Rodriguez because I like having a power back in the SEC, but he put the ball on the ground twice, and Stoops has mentioned it, like, I think every day this week. Stoops was uh, not It's really happy. bothered him. Yeah, it's really bothered him that it happened. So, to me, if somebody's going to challenge Rose, it's going to be smoke. And, and I like, and against an opponent like this, I like him to go over. Stoops uh, talked a lot about uh, second down efficiency, and I think I was watching just now, and that uh, it, it put their third down situations you know, it just, it pays forward. It's, it stands the reason. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I think that that's going to be something that he's going to be grumpy about for a while. I think, yeah. uh, it, you know, Rodriguez putting the ball on the ground. I have a feeling on this next one that we are probably going to agree. Okay. Uh, well, Max Duffy, the punter, 
fifth over under 50 yards per punt. I think he's going to be over. I mean, I, I feel like that's a pretty safe pick. I don't know. Doesn't yeah, he averaged, controversial. No, and I'll say over two, and we, we don't have to spend a lot of time on it. He averaged 54 yards on six punts in the first game of the season. Australian, uh, he's a former rugby player and, and is like continuing this crazy tradition of all these guys coming over from Australia and becoming awesome punters. Uh, and apparently, he, he, in an interview with John Hale from the Courier-Journal this week, said he's been practicing kicking with his other foot in case he has to that. roll has to roll out to his left. So unbelievable, which is a crazy thing to just be like, I'm gonna just start kicking with. If it's like in basketball, the the thing you primarily use to to ply your trade, if you just switched hands with it. I, I mean, I'm gonna shoot left handed now. Yeah. Uh, not not a lot of guys can do that. So it's true. All right, let's take a break. Pay some bills. Okay, so this week, uh, Kyle coming off of his just glorious success of his Lynn Bowden story that he just bragged and bragged and bragged and bragged about. and I set the record for subscriptions, and uh, I have such a great life. And man, how, my wife is so beautiful. I'm Kyle Tucker. I blast people on Twitter. That's you. That was a recording of Kyle talking just now uh, that I played. You have such a high opinion of me. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm just kidding. I give crap to the to those uh, that that uh, I I care for the most. Uh, but anyway, so Kyle just got off his uh, is coming off of his story about Limbo, and he wrote something about Tyrese Maxey this week and talked to his trainer Kyle. Let it let it rip. Uh, yeah, I talked to his trainer, Tim Martin, uh, who was PJ Washington's trainer. He, uh, trained, uh, worked with, uh, Trey Young in high school, uh, which is a pretty, uh, pretty good client to have. Um, Devin Harris, uh, one time all-star in the NBA, 15 year veteran, still playing, uh, is one of his clients. Miles Turner is a guy, um, kind of a bright young player, led the league in blocks, uh, NBA in blocks this year. Um, with the Pacers, well, trained him this summer before he left with uh, Team USA. So he's worked with some really high-level guys, um, and he's been working with Tyrese Maxey since he was a sophomore in high school. And I hmm. wanted to catch up with him. I've seen, I think you probably have too, a lot of people have if they follow Tim or even just Tyrese on social media, a lot of videos of them working together. Uh, in fact, he was just there a week and a half ago, uh, he went back home to Texas and, and Tim Martin, the trainer is based there in Dallas. A uh, um, quick question. Yeah. If this is the same guy, I'm pretty sure that, uh, this guy was responsible for some of Trey Young's progression as a shooter, like in different types of pressured situations. Like he taught Trey to, uh, a big thing. If you're a smaller player with your shot pocket is like, if you can, have consistency if your shot pocket is bothered because being a smaller player that's going to happen if you're like shooting spot up or off the dribble uh and he worked with trey a lot in uh just shooting it from unorthodox positions uh and if that's true that's something that could be big for tyrese did he talk yeah. about that at all well he didn't mention that he just he mentioned uh some some comparisons he said he i asked him you know it's unfair i don't want to put unfair pressure and expectation on Tyrese to say, is he like Trey Young, but are there any, was there any way in which they were similar? And he actually mentioned passing, um, that he, that he's a, a really gifted passer. Um, 
the way that Trey Young is, uh, you know, obviously people think of Trey Young as a scorer, but he also led the nation in assists as a freshman and has become a, a good passer at the NBA level. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Um, you, you, I think it's very likely this is the same guy that you're talking about in terms of working with Trey on his shot because there's a few videos uh, that I've seen where he's working with uh, Tyrese and he's talking to him about um, – you know, kind of creating space and getting a shot off, and he's talking to him about Trey Young. Uh, he references Trey Young in that, so that that would be, uh, I think, very valuable if if the guy who helped uh, Trey Young become such a lethal offensive weapon is is one and the same. I should follow up with him and ask him. Um, but yeah, Tyrese was just back there. They gave the players two or three weeks off between uh, summer session and fall classes and and team workouts they just let them go home for i think i think maybe three whole weeks um and tyrese went back home and got in the gym with this trainer and there's a um, post where uh pj washington was back home as well and they all got in the gym together and devin harris came and and uh tim martin said he had devin harris and some of the bigger nba players um giving Tyrese looks and pick and roll and, and just having bigger guards in his face so that he understands how to deal with that. And so that was all really interesting to me. Um, you know, uh, and, Devin Harris is a good, would be a good mentor for Tyrese. I feel like sort of a combo guard, not necessarily leaning towards a playmaker, but a guy that can, you know, do some playmaking, but yeah. a really talented scorer. Um, I like that. I like, I like that Devin, Devin Harris would be a good guy to, to, to work with Tyrese. That's a good thing. Yeah, no, I think, uh, you know, the, I, I've been wanting to catch up with this guy because, you know, I see I've, for like over a year I've seen these videos going back to when he was in high school. Um, and I was so impressed because there's one in particular where they're working on different kinds of floaters uh, and, and different kinds of finishes for the floaters. And one of the ways he drilled him was to, was to make him make the floaters in a specific way. Uh, like you've got to make it all net. You've got to make it uh, off the glass, but not touching any rim uh, when it goes through the net. Like all this stuff to sort of really dial in the details of how he's getting that floater up and the finesse and all the things that go with it, shot angles and all that. Uh, and some other ones where he's just kind of showing, demonstrating how to like create space and how to keep a how to get and keep a defender off balance. Um, just a lot of really like. I, I think kind of high level stuff for a kid that was in high school, um, who I think is because of some of that work is going to come in with a higher IQ than most guys. Um, and he talked a little bit about that, but you know, I asked him what was the best thing to him about Tyrese's game. And, and it was interesting for all the detail work on specific basketball specifics. He said the thing he likes best about Tyrese's game is not basketball at all. It's his energy. Um, kind of generally speaking, he said it's just super contagious that like everybody around him feeds on that uh, really, really, really positive energy. Everybody that I know that has talked to and known Tyrese Maxey, uh, kind of like the way people talked about Shea Gilgis-Alexander, that he was he mm-hmm. walked in every day smiling. You know, like Cal, Cal must have said that a hundred times. Like he's always smiling. I asked, does everybody in Canada just smile all the time? That was like Cal's go-to line during Shay's year, but that's sort of the way people talk about Maxi as this really infectious, positive uh, personality. And also when you say energy, it also means a guy that you don't have to worry about um, on the defensive end, which is something you worry about a lot with freshmen. He's a really aggressive defender. Um, and I think 
you know, Tim, I guess the headline from this is, is Martin said, I think they're going to have the best backcourt in the country. And I'm not exaggerating. And I'm not just saying that, like, I really think they're going to. And his, his reason for that was basically that, um, Ashton Hagens and Tyrese Maxey are going to just bother the hell out of people defensively. Yeah. Um, and so I think all that's pretty interesting. I, I, I don't want to give too much of it away, I guess, but I hope people will go read it. It's a, a Q and a about a bunch of different things, strengths, weaknesses, um, all that kind of stuff. But, uh, weak, weakness, I think everybody can probably guess. Um, yeah, he, he thinks he, he could shoot it better. And uh, he said he's been spending a lot of time working on it. I, you probably, as a basketball nerd, Kyle, you've probably heard this term before. Uh, but he said he wa- I want him. I want him to be a one eighty guy. Do you know? Do you know what that means? Maybe you don't. Uh, no, I've never heard that term. Okay, so he said he wants him to be a fifty forty ninety shooter. Well, know 50%, that. Yeah, 50, yeah, 50 percent from the field, forty percent from three ninety at the line. That adds up to one hundred and eighty. Well, there we um, go. So he calls it a 180 shooter, and that's that. You know, I think he's probably got all but the 40 um, from three. He's he's got to work on his three point range, but you know, if he, I think if Tyrese Maxey is a is a you know between 38 and 40 percent three point shooter, they're going to be pretty good. I have a couple thoughts yeah. just kind of on what you were saying before. Uh, you were talking about sort of the floater game and the way shots go in. I would tell people um, just from talking to different people. Um, you know, it seems like a really obvious over-the-plate thing, but uh, the way that shots go in uh, really does matter. And, like, the best shooters in the world uh, focus on those types of things because if you really settle, if you ever watch, like, a Steph Curry workout, one of the things that he focuses on is the way his shots go in because you can have success that's, you know, masking symptoms of a deeper problem, you know? Like, you can, it, it's sort of like basketball in a way that you can play well, but and get by with bad habits, you know, and then at the wrong time, those bad habits can, can flare up or the right opponent will know how to, you know, uh, it, Donovan Mitchell has been kind of struggling with this and that a lot of uh, his touch on his floaters, that was sort of a, a thing that came back to bite him at the end of the season last year. And for a guy like Maxi, um, for him to get into the middle of the floor based on his energy and as a score, that's a place that I think that he's going to be able to do a lot of damage. Um, his touch in that area of the floor is going to be pretty critical. Uh, and the other thing that I was going to say was at the point of attack, especially in college basketball, when you don't have generally as much size across the board, if you can really bother the point of attack of an offense, meaning, you know, the guys who are initiating the offense, uh, I think that that's, that's huge. And I think that Kentucky's going to be able to really get under the point of attack and and uh, make it difficult for teams to get into their offense. Now, it's going to be a question about the back line. I think it's a, yep. if, if you yeah. were going to have a weak back line, this would be a good a gr- good group of, you know, backcourt ball pressure guys to pair with them. But uh, I don't know. If they're really, really good and disruptive, uh, that could sort of hide some of that weakness. Yeah, and that's the thing. Like, I think we know they're going to have two really good defenders – in Maxi and Hagens, I think quickly will be a much better defender. He's quickly a, a good can defender, be a, can, I, I think. And, yeah, and can be a physical guy. I mean, you look at the way he's put together. Um, but then if, if you know, so if he's your, if at times if all three of those are out there together, but also if you're if your three man uh, is Khalil Whitney, then I then you're bothering the absolute hell out of the point guard and both wings. Mm-hmm. Um, I wouldn't you know. discount Keon Brooks either. Uh, Kentucky's yeah. got a couple fly around guys there in that three, four spot uh, that can put out fires is kind of the term I always say sort of when you get into rotational 
situations. You want to have length to bother, you know, to bother drives, to disrupt passes. Um, and, and yeah, I think Kentucky's going to have that. So uh, really all they're lacking, you know, if Nick Richards can step up and be a, a plus rim protector and if EJ can improve, uh, I mean, they could be. And then if, you know, Nate Sestina can be a positionally strong guy, which he should be as an older college player, uh, they could be a strong defensive team, even if they're not, you know, a rim protecting team. Yeah, I think there's going to be a handful of matchups over the course of the season that they can get exposed in. But I would I would guess that like 90% of the time, 80 to 90% of the time, they're going to look like an elite defensive team. Because how many teams really have elite front courts in college basketball that, you know, even if they're not great, that your two five-star big men can't at least hang with? I mean, on their worst day, you know, the average SEC front court, I would think Nick Richards and EJ Montgomery could at least go out there and hold their own. Mm-hmm. So we got to take a break, I think. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's pay the bills. <clears throat> All right, so this is the last show of the week, so we're going to do some predictions. Uh, Kentucky versus Eastern Michigan. Kyle, what's your score? Yeah, you're going to have to actually give one this time. Uh, I'm going to say Kentucky 31. Damn, that was going to be mine. Kentucky 31, Eastern Michigan 10. Um, I'm going to stick with a 21-point margin. Um, I mean – Eastern didn't exactly light it up. They, they had 291 yards of offense against Coastal Carolina. Uh, so I, I think this is a, a good game for the defense to get some confidence. Uh, you know, Kentucky, they gave Kentucky hell th- two years ago, 24 uh, 20 at Kentucky a couple years ago. Um, and and it also should be noted Eastern Michigan won at Purdue last year by a point, then lost four in a row. And then the year before that, they won at Rutgers uh in 2017 and then lost six in a row uh, including that Kentucky game so they they have been able to get up for the big games uh against power five teams and they've won uh won one in each of the last two seasons but I just uh you know I don't see it here in Lexington um unless they catch Kentucky looking ahead to Florida I'm gonna say Kentucky 28 and Eastern Michigan 17 Ooh, uh, a little bit of a nail-biter yeah, and uh, I think that you actually – that was going to be uh, pretty close to my score, so I had to kind of call an audible there a little bit. But I, I think it's going to be an annoying game where Eastern Michigan sort of dink and dunks Kentucky for a lot of the game uh, and uh, stays – it could come down to turnovers. You know, there could be – I feel like there's going to be a critical turnover at some point in this game that's going to sort of seal the deal for Kentucky. That's going to be my prediction. So we need to get somebody to sponsor the prediction part. What do you think about that? I'm down with it. Yeah. If you want to sponsor it, hit us up. Yeah. At, uh, locked on Kentucky at, uh, let's see, locked on Kentucky at gmail.com, I think, or locked on UK. Try both at gmail.com. Um, Curtis always handled that. So now I'm, I'm I'm a little lost without him, but (laughs) okay. I got something. (laughs) Okay. Sorry. I've, I've been on a bad cutoff here. Uh, what? I think I know the answer to this because maybe you told me one time. This is a little discussion question to close out the show. Kyle, what is the most embarrassing thing that happened to you in school? <laughs> in school? Uh, oh, man. It's a, like almost a tie. So when I was in middle school, I think, or maybe like early high school, I think middle school, 
probably because I was at a bus. I was at the bus stop. Um, I like tucked my elbow, pulled my shirt, my arms inside my sleeves, my t-shirt, and then pushed them back out from the elbows. Like tucked, pushed my elbows out the sleeve holes, and was like <laughs> balking like a chicken to be like goofy. And the bus came, and I couldn't get my my arms out. It, it was stuck. Uh, and I was just flapping wildly <laughs> as all the kids on the bus were like looking and pointing. And uh, my dad was watching out the window, and he didn't like rush out to help me. He just stood there laughing. My dad still uh, thinks that's one of the funniest things ever, but probably more embarrassing. And you'll have to, for context, I was not. I was so far from a cool kid in school. Um, Shocked. Yeah, you know, I was the speech and drama kid, the newspaper kid, the gangly. Uh, pimply-faced, hand-me-down clothes kid that people like to pick on. Uh, But one year, I went, I love Forrest Gump. I went, uh, we had like a, uh, at Halloween, we had a costume contest. And I went as Forrest Gump, and the whole, we had an assembly in the gym to judge like the costumes. And I had like a spitting image Forrest Gump costume. I do a great Forrest Gump impersonation, or I used to. And, uh... (laughs) I took, I like, as they were like walking us around the gym for the students to do like a by applause judging of the contest, I took off sprinting like Forrest Gump around the gym. And the whole place like erupted. And it was the one moment in my life in high school and the hell that was high school that I felt cool, right? Uh, and so, like, this was not embarrassing. This was a great moment. I won the costume contest and everybody was like, that is so funny. And I thought, you know, I was like this like sophomore in high school. I thought I'm finally accepted. Oh man, this is heartbreaking. So, yeah, yeah. So the next the next year, I decided it was such a hit the year before that I was going to do the exact same thing the next year, and it was just like oh com- no, it was just like complete crickets, and it was and like one of the you know like douchey like typical uh, you know f- pre frat boy frat boy in high school, like, like openly mocked me and was like, are you the dumbest person Ugh. that ever lived? Like, why would you do that again? That <laughs> and I was like, oh, I guess I am kind of the dumbest person ever. You uh, just wanted but, to be accepted. That's, yeah. I was uh, like, I got, I, I wanted to hear, I wanted to hear the roar of the crowd again. Uh, so, yeah, and that's that why every time you write something th- for the athletic, you get all amped up for that same reason. He wants to that's, hear the roar of the subscriptions. Yeah, I need, I need, I need your digital subscription applause. Uh, okay, one more. I know we're over, but one more thing. This, since we're a ba- we're a sports, I got to tell mine too. Okay, right, but I got to tell you this one because you're gonna like it. All right. Uh, uh, in high school basketball, before I gave it up and realized I was no good, uh, I got into a game and we we're playing at my dad's high school. Uh, and so in Cheatham County, Tennessee, a couple uh, towns over. And so all of my extended family was there and I got into the game I, and I was rebounding like crazy and I kept getting fouled and I got to the free throw line and I, <laughs> I shot six free throws. I made all six free throws, but only three of them counted because I got three lane violations on myself because I was so amped up that I didn't, I wanted to rebound in case I missed my free throw. Uh, that I <laughs> shot the free throws and jumped immediately into the lane. Oh, God. Uh, I don't think anybody in sports has ever done that. 
<laughs> that yeah uh i got a bunch of lane violations in middle school real quick i'll do mine uh i have two first one i got uh elbowed in the in the uh crotch and on like homecoming like in front of a big crowd and i laid down and like almost cried in front of a big crowd of people uh this was at spencer county uh i legitimately almost cried the other one is <laughs> i was in like this uh this class that was like the it was like an ap class for like middle school or something like that and uh i was really mad about something i think i got like cut from some aau team or just didn't get included so i had written out this thing about why i was so mad like i wrote this note out that was like in detail and i mean it was foul language too like i wrote out just like it was it was rough and I, I guess I forgot to put it in my book bag and it just, you know how pieces of paper are. They just sort of float and float, flip yeah. up in the air and it ended up on the floor and uh, a bunch of my friends and the teacher was super intense. This lady named Miss Demerseman, who I ran into at the Louisville Opera one time and, um, uh, that was awkward. She hated me. And uh, so she blamed a bunch. Of, she didn't know who wrote it. So she blamed these people in my class. And uh, I had to like, in, and like their parents got mad and everything. And I like in front of all my parents, my friends, their parents had to come clean and be like, I wrote it and get these people out of trouble. <laughs> so that was pretty humiliating. That was the first one that came to mind. And I think that that is a good spot to wrap up the episode because we have gabbed on and on again. So uh, read Kyle's piece on Tyrese Maxey. Follow him at, at Kyle Tucker uh, underscore ATH, right? C- correct. Okay. Follow me at, at J Kyle, man. I got this Cade Cunningham thing. It's coming. It's going to be coming out here very shortly and uh, rate us, review us, and uh, we will see you next week after uh, the game to review it. See you next time. Later. (laughs) You are Locked on Kentucky. Available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or tell Alexa or Google to play podcasts Locked on Don't worry, I won't finish. You get the idea.